Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, chapter by chapter, out loud, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 today. So we, we've been kind of gearing up for this for a few days now. Uh, we looked at 1 Corinthians 9 already. We kind of saw how, in some ways, idolatry was already being anticipated there. We looked earlier this week at Psalm 50, which gets quoted here, and we kind of laid the groundwork for understanding, you know, what 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 is Paul getting at? And so I, I think we're really kind of well prepped, as we're ever going to be anyway, to look at this here. So when you get to this passage, you know, uh, do do all to the glory of God, you know, a nice little sound bite, like we've talked about this, you know, so much of 1 Corinthians is memeable, but... But what is it really getting at here in this context, and what does it mean for the church? Looking forward to the conversation today. And joining us, we have returning, we have Pastor Kevin Golden, pastor at Village Lutheran Church in Ladue, Missouri. Uh, so, I mean, I think a lot of people think of that as St. Louis still. But <laughs> good morning. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing very well. Good to be with you. Yeah, great, great to have you back. It's been a little bit, and yeah, yeah how are the been brothers and sisters doing? In, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, so how's everybody in, in Ladue doing right now? Uh, all in all, we're doing well. The Lord's good to us, and uh, like everyone else, we're uh, making our way through uh, unique times, And uh, but the Lord blesses through everything else, so um, we're receiving the Lord's gifts and giving Him thanks and praise. Yeah, amen. And, uh, you know, just uh, appreci- in some ways appreciating some of those gifts, maybe, <laughs> a little a little more right. than, than we had, right? Well, I think you're exactly right, and I've been uh, praying that for myself, for the congregation, for the church as a whole, and that we would grow in our appreciation for all the things that we tend to take for granted that right now we're not able to take for granted, you know, some of the simple blessings of what we enjoy typically on a Sunday morning and with fellowship activities that uh, are not able to happen as they normally would and so many other things that perhaps when we come through all this, we'll be able to all the more appreciate those good gifts. But I also uh, have a pretty good handle on the sinful nature and know uh, that uh, it doesn't take too long typically for sinners such as myself to go back to just taking things for granted. Yeah, right. I, I I know it really is something, right? You you go through an experience like this, um, and you're just like, you know, I'm never going to take this for granted ever again. Or you know, you, you talk to people who have like near death experiences, um, mm-hmm. and they and they say, wow, I'm just gonna I'm gonna live the rest of my life, you know, like every like every day is the last, and like treasure every moment, and you know, it makes an impact. But it's amazing how quickly we do just go back to the way yeah. things are, and, and I guess. I guess this chapter, in some ways, is kind of about that idea about how easy it is just to slide back into familiar patterns and the old way of doing things, huh? Oh, that is very true. That's uh, very true. And so uh, this is a good reminder why the entire life of a Christian is one of repentance, because we do fall back into those uh, sinful patterns and uh and so we're constantly being called to live in uh, light of the cross, and that changes how we live. It, right. It changes how we live every every day. So uh, good good to have you with us and looking forward to this conversation here. Uh, before we get started, would you say a prayer for us as uh, we turn to the text? Most certainly. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you have given Holy Scripture that we might learn from it. So give us a right understanding 
that your Holy Spirit, through the Word, would teach us to know you rightly, guide the discussion today off this specific text, that we would rightly understand it, that it would inform our faith in you, and then also inform how we live in love toward our neighbor. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's, that's helpful to direct our attention to, that everything Paul's been talking about, none of it's just kind of abstract theology that's just kind of out there. It's it's all directed mm-hmm. towards love of neighbor. Um, any other themes that we should really be keeping in mind? I, I mean, I already mentioned, you know, we, he quotes Psalm 50. We talked about that. We, we've kind of mm-hmm. set up the idolatry piece. Um, like, what else should we kind of be bearing in mind before we read through the chapter? Well, maybe one other thing is, and because we'll have a series of items within this chapter that harkens back to our forefathers in the faith and what they went through, that uh, there's nothing new under the sun, that uh, we encounter the same things that they encountered, both in terms of the temptations that are set before us, but also in terms of uh, the Lord's faithfulness to care for us in the midst of all those things, his forgiveness that is ever-present. And so uh, there's nothing new under under the sun, and that's both a a challenge, but also it's a great blessing, because the greatest thing that's not new under the sun is the Lord's goodness that's new to us each and every day. Yeah, no, that's that's well put. It's a a blessing and a challenge. Um, I, I mean, like we were saying earlier, you know, like these are unique times that we're living in, but in some ways nothing new under the sun so yeah there's actually a lot of precedent mm-hmm. that that can be helpful so i mean it's uh, yeah they're, yeah, they're new yeah, to us because uh, in our lifetime we haven't dealt with anything right. like this but uh, but that's hey right. we are we're blessed that so many uh, of our um, those who have gone before us in the faith did go through challenges like this and so we can learn yeah. from them along the way exactly all right well Speaking of those who went before us in the faith, let's go ahead then and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, here in the English Standard Version from the top. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual morality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I have to say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, 
we who are many are one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you. And for the sake of conscience, I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone's, someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the Church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. Oh man, there is so much going on in this chapter. <laughs> uh, yes, there uh, is. Uh, it is yeah. full of uh, content, and uh, yeah. and as you've been setting it over up over these past week uh, days, it uh, also it just flows out of especially chapters eight and nine, but even more than that as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, um, and then I I had not even. Um, I've just been kind of so focused on, like, Psalm 50 and the chapters of Corinthians uh, that we've been reading. But, you know, actually, all the reading that we were doing in Exodus sets up um, the first half really nicely, right. too. I mean, there's, so there's a lot of a lot of connections. Um, mm -hmm. And then just, I mean, there, there really are just, though, like, so many of these little uh, of these little lines and, and things that I think get quoted and alluded to. But, I mean— they, they all <laughs> they all come from the same chapter um coming like at, right. at the same situation and so i mean i think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges because you know the thing about like uh he, you know he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability oh man how many times have i heard that quoted and and applied to who knows how many situations and it's like right. it, you kind of just hear it so often you forget that he's talking about this whole cup of the lord cup of demons kind of situation and you're, yeah. and you're just like yeah. Well, hang on, putting it back in context, I'm, I'm almost wondering what, 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 what it means in the context now. I hear it so often outside the context. Yes, and uh, as you rightly put it there, that this is uh, what we're actually told, is that God will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but he's going to give you a, a means out and such. And often that is then uh, kind of twisted a little bit to go beyond that, because it's speaking 
specifically of temptation, and again, it's in this specific context, but um, so that people will talk about, well, God won't let you have any troubles beyond what you're able to handle or something like that. And But yeah. no, it's, it's speaking specifically of he won't tempt you, allow temptation to come beyond you, on you beyond what you're able to handle. Well, and I, I want to talk a little bit about, about that in particular and kind of look at that word for temptation, which I, I think kind of opens the door to those kinds of questions. And it's, it's a, right. there's a lot of good things that we're going to want to spend a little bit of time on, but let's, um, let's, let's go ahead and just take it from the top here. So look, looking at those first few verses already, I think it's, <laughs> you have some questions that, okay, hang on a second. All were baptized into Moses. You know, that, that is, that is like one of the most striking turns of phrase, I think, um, yes. there in the new Testament. I mean, you, you have elsewhere, you know, baptized, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, or baptized in the name of Jesus, and here it's baptized in, I mean, into, in the Greek, it's like into the Moses, and uh, I mean, it's the same in or into as the the Trinitarian baptismal formula, so, I mean, what, what is he getting at, this baptism into Moses and the rock was Christ? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even that, that phrase, the rock was Christ, this is a good reminder that uh, Paul is an apostle, so he bears an authority that you and I do not have. And so he can make some exegetical moves, some interpretive moves that you and I wouldn't be able to make of our own, so that for him to say the rock was Christ, they're referring to uh, the rock from which the water came forth uh, when Moses struck it and such, or also uh, two occasions when uh, water came forth from the rock, once when Moses uh, struck it. The second time he was supposed to speak to the rock, and he instead struck it, and water still came out because God is good, even when we're uh, not quite as obedient as we ought to be. Um, so how can he make that move? Well, because he is an apostle, and the Holy Spirit is uh, inspiring him to give this revelation and such. But one of the big things through all those verses is that uh, you're getting a lot of what we would call sacramental language. You've got the language of baptism. You've got talk about spiritual food, spiritual drink. So now you've got kind of the language of the Lord's Supper. You get more of that later in the chapter. So what it's uh, helping set up is you've got these shadows of uh of what we now enjoy that were already going on at the time of the Exodus about how what the Lord was doing for his people there. Now that ties us very nicely to those who have gone before us, uh, that generation of the Exodus. Um, but also it allows us to see, you know, their history is our history. Our history is their history. We are one church. We're bound together with the people of God of every age, every location. Um, every background. So that's part of uh, that universality of the church. That's rather beautiful. Um, But also, hey, so what is going on there with being baptized into Moses? And I think there's there's more than one way to go with that that honors the text properly, um, but also makes it um, flow well with the rest of Scripture. Um, with the whole of of Christian theology. And so uh, when you see it as kind of this predecessor of what you and I now enjoy in holy baptism, that uh, when in the book of Acts, for example, when it's mentioned that we are baptized into Christ rather than into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's talking there especially about the authority. And so that might be one helpful way to go at it here, is that being baptized into Moses is that they're put under Moses's authority, who acts on behalf of God for their benefit. 
Yeah, I, I think that's the way to take it here. Um, I mean, there, there are a couple different, uh, these little prepositions, and they each kind of have these different um, nuances. But this isn't, this isn't the, the preposition that kind of is like, uh, like means as if, you know, you're baptized, you know, in water or right. uh, in the spirit and fire or something like that. It's not, it's not mm -hmm. that, but I, I think, right, the, the way that you would take this is some kind of authority. Um, and, and so it's interesting then that authority seems to be a, a little bit of the focus here or, or kind of the, the, the big theme, um, e even when it's talking about, you know, it says there that, you know, they were, it's interesting. It says they were all under the cloud. I'm not, I'm not sure that's just trying to say merely that, you know, they, they happen to be located there this one time or for some stretch right. of time, right? Like it's like the fact that you have the verb there seems to be indicating that this is how they lived. This is, yeah. that was the regime. That was the paradigm. Um, and even, and even when it's talking about there uh, and the rock was Christ, I think we got to be careful because I think to our ears, that just sounds like the Lord Jesus's last name, but it does say mm -hmm. the Christ. And so I, I think that all of that's trying to say kind of like, Hey, look, uh, we've been talking a little bit among other things about kind of church structure or like a body. Right. And look, all those things were in place at the time. Like this, this pattern held true even then, and, and I think that, that actually kind of ties in then to the word. Um, these things took place as an example or as examples for us. I mean, example is, isn't isn't bad, but the word kind of means pattern, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and this is what I, I love about this is, uh, yeah, there's this pattern that goes on. So the Lord doesn't do, um, while well, he makes things greater, and he uh, brings them to their fruition and their fullness. Even, hey, you and I are waiting for that as well, that everything that has already been given us in Christ, we're waiting for the fullness of that when he comes again on the last day. So this, so the Lord uh, is always about doing what he has always done, but then he keeps building it greater and greater for us to bring it to its fullness. Right. So, so that idea of that this is all happening kind of uh, again and again, um, almost cyclically, but I, I remember uh, I, I, some of my professors would, would draw like a, a, a like this little like funnel, right? And so they would say, "Well, yeah, it's cyclical, but it's coming to a point, right? Like it, it's it's like a yeah. like a cone or something. Like it's going down, but like it reaches somewhere. So it, it's not just kind of like eternally the same thing over and over, but like over and over again, and it gets faster and faster, and it, it's it's some it's going somewhere, mm -hmm. and and so." That, that's that's then like a really interesting uh i mean it's, it's it's a really interesting way of thinking about it then that okay so all those things are kind of happening in the same pattern which means um that it's not just that oh okay like you know things can kind of tend to happen the way they always have but but that those things are in some ways almost happening for our sake and, and i think that's kind of the the yes. really interesting idea that he moves on to that that he says you know you know where, where was it here right so he, he says you know in verse seven uh rather no six these things took place as examples and then he goes and he repeats that here in 11 now these things happened to them as an example but they were written down for our instruction and, and that's i mean this is really an interesting insight into how paul thinks about the scriptures 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, going back to what you were just describing about uh, sometimes how we can misunderstand this and how it can be misapplied, maybe a, a nice thing is to contrast the the cyclical or the uh, repetitive nature of what I do as a sinner versus that cyclical action of God. Because as a sinner, I keep going back to my own sins. And um, there are certain sins that we all struggle with. Of course, we struggle with all the sins, but there are some that are more prominent in our lives than others. And no matter how often I repent of that sin, how no matter how often I confess that sin, I'm forgiven of that sin, as much as I hate that sin, there are certain sins that just are so difficult to shake that we keep going back to that. Yeah. Now, that's the that's the life of a sinful human being, that we just keep going back to it in the... Uh, Uh, You could even use the words uh, out of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament as a dog returns to its vomit. So the uh, fool returns to his folly or the sinner returns to his sin. All right. That is uh, that's not too pretty. But, well, I keep going back to what is destructive because of my sinful nature. Hey, the Lord just keeps coming back with grace upon grace upon grace, and his grace is always sufficient. So that's why he doesn't need some new uh, means of grace, if you will, but he can keep going back to the same well, because that well is always overflowing with exactly what we need. And so this is one of the beauties, again, about, hey, he gives us scripture so that we can learn from that, and we keep going back to that same well over and over and over again. And and I really appreciate that, and, and I think that you know it's it's really good because it's you know kind of bringing us back to our our own present struggles, and and we're going to be getting to that verse about temptation in a minute, um, and so that's really helpful to be thinking about, you know, it's like what, what does that mean, and like the Christian struggle with temptation, the life of repentance, like you yep. were talking about. I, I I think it's really interesting here that you know kind of thinking about this you know kind of going back to to the the well and and this kind of uh this treasury of 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 the scripture it's it's interesting how he talks about it though he says you know written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come so uh, on the one hand these things have been written down for centuries. I mean, when he's speaking, right, those things have been written down for centuries, right? I mean, like, yes. all of God's people for, for a long time, they could have opened it up, and they were, in fact, opening it up, right, in, the, in reciting yep. things and drawing on those things um, as, they, as, as the Psalter was being composed. And, and I mean, so, so yeah, so on, the other, on one hand, it was like, yeah, there was always this going back to it, right? Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, Paul's, like, seems to be saying— that these things in particular, though, were written down for right now, for this moment, for the end of the ages. And, and, and I think that's really something that, that, okay, yeah, it's always been true. It's always been good. It's always been, you know, meet right salutary to read this. But, but, but this really didn't come into full meaning until right now with the Incarnation, and that, right. that I think, is—that's that, really a different way, I think, of thinking about scriptures compared to the way I think most people think about holy writings or things like that. Right, yeah, because everything was leading up to Christ, and in Christ you have the fullness, you have the fulfillment of everything that was promised. And so this is why, uh, according to a biblical timeline, 
we are now living in the end times, and we have been for nearly 2,000 years, because it's really Christ who inaugurates the end times by means of what he wins on our behalf. And so partly you can un- even understand the end times as being about this is the uh, the rule and reign of God in Christ that was brought about through his life, death, resurrection. So there you get the inauguration of it. Uh, but also, you know, here we are in the end times, and we're waiting for that fullness to come when Christ returns. Well, and, and I think we want to, uh, I mean, that, that there's a, a pretty large horizon to be looking at. So we'll unpack that a little bit more, just a little bit, because we got to keep moving on. But everybody, hang on. we got to take our break. Looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 on Thy Strong Word. Be right back. Free to be faithful moderator Kip Allen. The upcoming election could have an enormous impact on religious freedom in the United States. Washington Observer and Vice President of Focus on the Family Tim Gigline and I examine these issues Wednesday at 2.30 and again Saturday 9.30 on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Stories and songs are always in season on Sing for Joy. Sometimes they are told and sung by large groups, other times by a solo singer, and always you are invited to listen in. Or if you're one of those who enjoys singing along with the radio, we welcome that too. Join us every week. Sundays at noon on KFUO, the messenger of good news. When I look at the x-ray of your funny bone, it seems that everything is A-OK. Medical research has proven laughter helps you both emotionally and physically. Wrestling with the basics on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. are on demand. We've been putting the fun in the fundamentals for over 30 years. Over 30 years? Ooh, don't put too much strain on your funny bone. Nine out of ten doctors agree. It's less painful than getting a flu shot. Don't wait here. Go Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is just the biggest chapter we've looked at so far, so many things. It's going gonna, it's gonna to feel wrong how fast we're going to have to go on some of this stuff, but that's, that's the nature of the beast here. But, but it's really good, and I appreciate our guest who is really helping us break it down and bringing it back down to uh, the, the everyday life of the Christian, which is one of repentance every single day. And, and so that's really where the rubber's hitting the road here. Uh, our guest, Pastor Kevin Golden, pastor at Village Lutheran Church in Ladue, Missouri. If you've got a question for us, give us a call if you're listening live, 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis or Ladue, you can call local, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org, as we have just gotten a few questions via email that we will want to take a look at. You can also hop on the live stream, facebook.com slash Espinosa. Don't 
think we've had any questions pop up there, but I try to check every so often to make sure I'm not missing anything. But yeah, so we were we were just talking about this, how, okay, yeah, the, these things, they repeat themselves. These these are not just examples, but, but, but patterns. Um, but, but then they, they come to this, this, this point here, and the point, as Paul puts it, is the end of the ages, or as you were saying, you know, the church age. And that's really interesting, because on the one hand, I, 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 <laughs> I like the way you put it, you know, it's like, hey, you know, hey, Paul's an apostle, and so I don't know if we would, like, you know, want to be able to pull this off. Um, mm-hmm. But... But on the other hand, I, I think that what he's saying is 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 not so much that, well, look, I I have like a special kind of you know insight, and you know if you try allegory, you know yeah uh, uh, you know if, you know if AJ tries allegory, yeah you know be wary of that. <laughs> I mean, probably should be yeah. wary of that. <laughs> but but um, but more just that that really we know it's the nature of scripture that all these things have been headed and happening. Um, to get to this moment, so it's it's just actually the very nature of God's uh, of God's revelation and God's plan to, to point to the Christ, and and so I mean I, I think in that respect, I, I feel like he's kind of saying like you know I, I'm going to interpret this passage this way, but really you can interpret all of the passages like this, and in fact that's that's right it's a right and good thing to interpret it that way because. That that's why it was even happening. Right, right, yeah. I I think you just nailed it on the head. That uh, and this really is in many ways um, what it means for all of Scripture to be first and foremost about Christ. That everything is running right into Him and then flows right out of Him as well. So that uh, again, you you end up with these patterns um, that the Lord continues to work through um, for our benefit. He did it for his people of old. He's doing it for us as well. And this is one of the ways in which we're bound with his people through all time. But it's always there specifically in Christ through whom all this is taking place. And so if that's the structure and that's the pattern, I think this is what's going to help us understand his point better. So one of the questions that came in is, you know, is drinking the same spiritual drink a sign of concord and koinonia? Uh, I, I like, of course, any use of the Greek language, so that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Appreciate that, James. <laughs> Your ears are perking uh, up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, okay, awesome. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think then, okay, so so what is he trying to get about this, right? Because you know, it's interesting how he starts this off. You know, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, right? And he's saying this just after his thing about discipline. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, keeping the body under control. So, you know, and, and he was talking about that in the context of giving things up, like letting go of rights. And, and so mm-hmm. I, I think what he's getting at here then, and I, I want to get you to weigh in on this, is that, OK, look, um, we, we can talk about just structural rights and like I'm an apostle, so I have those rights. And hey, we're we're Christians. We have our church. We have these rights. Yeah, yeah, you can talk about structure all you want, but you know what? They had the same basic structure, and they 23,000 of them died. So just because mm-hmm. you have this, this sanctified structure, 
I mean, that doesn't that doesn't mean one thing or, or another. Um, the question is, what are we going to do with it? And so and so Paul's right. saying, look, I, I discipline myself by giving up these rights. Um, and, and they, you know, they 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 didn't go. They didn't they didn't take these things and go anywhere with it. And so that's what happened to them. And so I, that's how I think connects to Corinth then. It's like, OK, you, yeah, you're a church and you have scriptures and you got prophets and all this stuff. But like, don't think that just a structure is going to save you. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're right on the money. And, you know, this is how we often scratch our heads at the people of Israel, how they can go through the Exodus and see the Lord working mightily for their salvation. And then they end up with a golden calf. Now, the golden calf is not specifically referenced here. But again, you have all these um, examples of everything the Lord was doing caring for his people, uh, baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, eating the same spiritual food and drink, the spiritual rock, and the rock was Christ. On down the line, here's the Lord, so gracious towards his people. And then what do they do? They end up becoming idolaters and their sexual immorality and and such. And so this is um, just as all of that could not keep them, um, could not spare them from their own sinful nature in the sense of they still fall back into temptation. Um, And so, therefore, they have the daily life of repentance as well. It's the same for you and I as well. So uh, this is setting up very clearly and uh, part of his ongoing argument about how do we handle the issue of, like, for example, food sacrifice to idols and such. Right, right. No, so so this is, I think— it's it's all connecting to this, and 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 this is uh, this is really important to, to to see how these things. He's not just like kind of jumping around topics. He's like, let me talk about the Exodus, and now let me talk about this. But no, it, yeah. it's all it's all going here. And so when he says that this, and I think this is this is one of these moments. I I, when I, I sometimes talk, uh, give like presentations to different congregations about reading the Bible, and I say th- this is one of the biggest ways to misunderstand the Bible. It's to miss you versus y'all. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, English translation just blows it up a lot of times. The ESV, yep. unfortunately, doesn't have a note on this here. Um, but it is y'all in verse 13. And so when it says, no to temptation has overtaken you, um, that is not common to man, I, I think what he's getting at is not like, okay, look at your life and— you know, your life as an individual and, and no thing is going to happen to, you know, Billy Bob, you know, like not like Monday through Sunday. Right. Um, I don't think that's the, that's the point. Like he's trying to like give some kind of fortune cookie or something. But he's saying, look, what you're got, what you guys are going through is a temptation as a community. And he's yeah. not going to let the community undergo one, one of these kind of collective temptations without providing a way out. And, and I think that's up against the background of, as you just mentioned, uh, the golden calf. Yeah, yep, exactly. And uh, the Lord is faithful to his people. And I greatly appreciate you pointing out, you know, here's an English issue that the singular and the plural are the same when it comes to the second person you. Um, but uh, the the Greek is nice and clear. So that, yeah, this is uh, the, the congregation, the church of God that is in Corinth that he's uh, referring to here is that uh, collective issue, and, and, and so we we've been talking about that. How there's this there's this collective issue about so you know what are how are we as a congregation going to approach this whole uh, meat issue, which is which is really something I think because 
I, I don't know. We, I mean, to just today, right? We are so individualistic about food. Right. You know, it's just like you, you send out an RSVP, and it's just like, no, what are your dietary restrictions, right? And this is like a nightmare for anyone getting married now <laughs> yeah. in like 2020 and going onward. It's just like mm-hmm. you have to have like 15 different like offerings because, you know, there's the, the guy over here who's carnivore and the guy over here who's vegan and then like yes. everything in between. And so it's just like, what are you supposed to feed anyone? Um, yeah. and, and, but, but the thing is here, right, it's, it's, it's a community thing. And yeah, he's going to give examples of how that's spelled out in individual circumstances. But what's fascinating to me is that he wants the whole community to have a policy and to be on the same page, um, which is just, I, I don't, I can't even imagine, unfortunately, like a Western congregation, like taking a food policy together, that they would all be on the same page as one. Right. Yeah. And this will become even more a apparent in the next chapter, chapter 11. But, you know, this is uh, definitely a huge issue for us Americans that uh, and and really Western civilization as a whole, we're uh, very so strongly individualistic that we can lose sight of that communal aspect that uh, when when it comes to and this is a chapter 11 issue, especially, although it has a, a play here in chapter 10, is that for example, when we go to the Lord's Supper, it's not just me and Jesus. It is me and Jesus, but it's not just me and Jesus. It's me and everybody else gathered at the table that I'm bound together with them. And so, therefore, I have uh, should have an imminent and uh, strong concern for their well-being and how what I am doing impacts them. And so I should yeah. approach it accordingly. Yeah, you know, I got, I got to confess something. This past Sunday um, during communion distribution— we, you know, we, we have one table that, that comes up that's like the people who are helping. Um, you, I mean, usually it's like the organists, the other pastors, maybe the elders mm-hmm. who are helping with distribution. We have one table. Um, and then and then we go forward like and, and distribute throughout the congregation. And, and it got to the end, and I was thinking to myself, now hang on a second. Um, like, who has he, this person had communion yet? Has this person had communion yet? And I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, that person had communion standing next to me in the first table and it just it just hit me that how could i have possibly taken the lord's supper and and forgotten the people that were standing next to me because just like you said it's not just me and jesus i mean especially the people who are like right there standing next to you i mean that is an intimate act and, and and just get kind of you know, especially if you're kneeling down at a rail, kind of just standing up and walking away and forgetting who it was. Um, I mean, I'm kind of trying to be a little bit delicate, but I'm drawing an analogy there. Um, it, it's really unconscionable to not think about who you're having communion with and to think about what that means. Yeah. So here's another item for my daily repentance that I uh, take note of this, maybe especially on Sunday and other days in which we are receiving uh, the supper that, yeah, take note of. Uh, these blessed saints that are right there with me. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and so I, I think then this kind of gets to the, the heart of, of the question that was sent in, you know, so this drinking of the same spiritual drink, um, you know, the same spiritual rock. So the, the problem wasn't just that they weren't unified. Um, I mean, clearly from the Golden Calf incident, not everyone participated in the golden calf worship so the problem mm-hmm. wasn't that well if they had all worshiped the golden calf together you know i mean i yeah. i mean i don't think anyone's saying that but but clearly it's not just being united or, or just well we all did the same thing so it's fine now 
Um, mm -hmm. But but rather, you know, what what is the the source of the unity and this this temptation that the this temptation that the whole is undergoing? And so when he says, "Therefore, my beloved, you know, flee from idolatry," it's it's a community term there. It's it's again the second person plural. Yeah. He 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 wants the whole community to do this together. So the the problem is actually the idolatry. Um, but it, as long as we're we're allowing one member of the body over here to keep doing this, it's a problem for mm -hmm. all of us. You you can't just have yeah. the like the hand over here committing idolatry every Sunday and just act like oh no, but that's just them. I I think that's right. what what he's what he's getting at with the with the structure and the body stuff. I, I think you're right on the money, yeah. And th so that's just the thing. And this is rather significant in Paul's other letters also, where he loves to use the language of the body. And, of course, Paul didn't come up with this on his own. This is given to him by the Lord himself, that this is what the church is, uh, what the faithful are. We are a body, so what happens to one of us happens to all of us. Elsewhere, um, it's put this way that, uh, hey, when one part of the body suffers— the whole body suffers when one part of the yep. body rejoices. The whole body rejoices. So there is no. Uh, so that, yeah, this is why. Again, I can go with myself, my own sin, why it actually harms the entire body because we are one together, but also why we have such a concern for uh, other members of the body who have fallen into sinful idolatry, sinful life, and why we call them to repentance. And it's not just purely selfish for my sake, because what they're doing impacts me, but also because I care about the rest of the body, not just that person yeah. who's sinning, but also other members of the body who are impacted uh, because they're bound together with that one who's caught in sin. Well, and, and I think then this is actually getting us to uh, the quotation um, that, that Paul has. I mean, it's, it's, it's coming up here. But, yeah. you know, so when, he, when he's talking about this, you know, participation, you know, hey— um, you know, aren't we all like just like there's one cup and there's one bread? You know, aren't we all like in this together? Aren't we all part of this? Um, you, you think about the uh, the wilderness wandering and how a whole generation, right, was cut off. And there, there's more of a Hebrews point, but this mm -hmm. idea that you know we're all in this together. And when we talk about, I mean, and this is, I think, that the part that's uh, like you were saying, a challenge just not even for Americans but for Western civilization. We talk about, okay, the life of a Christian is one of repentance, but but really we should be saying the life of the church is one of repentance. It's not as yes. if every individual Christian is saying, like, okay, what are the things that I struggle with, and what are the, my difficulties, mm -hmm. like, me, me, me. Yeah, that's that's a part of it, and you got to start there, right? Because each of us only knows so many things, and we, and we know our own personal sin, right? Um, yes. For most, in some ways, but but the thing is, it's it, it's really looking at the whole picture, and and we're not living in repentance, really, if we're just focused on just what are like my you know uh, peccadillos, and and we don't have any concern for what the rest of the body's doing. Right. Yeah. And this is cut from the same cloth as what we get, like in Isaiah six, when Isaiah uh, cries out, "Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips." Yeah. And I live yeah. among a people of unclean lips. So it is, uh, he can acknowledge his own sinfulness, but also it's that corporate, um, that he's part of the body, and the body has sin. So so then this is really, 
really fascinating to me when, when he has this question here. Shall, shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? This is, uh, I, I mean, and the thing is, I, I, I think you read this question, and you're just like, hang on, what? Why, why would he even say that? But, yeah. but remember, right, he has been talking about strong Christians and weak Christians, right? Like weak conscience, sensitive mm-hmm. people— right? Oh, well, they're just sensitive, and oh my goodness, we can't do this again this year because this, this you know, Fred is being sensitive again. He always mm-hmm. objects to this, right? So, yeah, so here's the thing, right? And, yeah. yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. He, he needs to toughen up, you know, like he needs mm-hmm. to get over that, right? But but here here I think it is. Um, they've, they've been saying that, you know, they're stronger than these weak, immature Christians, but now the point here is, hey, you really are saying you think you're stronger than Christ. And, and, and this is, I think, the, the big just pulling the rug out, right? That, that really yeah. you're not talking about, you know, like, oh, you're going to make this person like, who's sensitive like, feel bad. You're, you're provoking Christ to jealousy because you're publicly cheating on him with demons. Yeah, yeah. And this, is, uh, this language of jealousy, of course, even comes up, if we go back to Exodus again, the giving of uh, the Ten Commandments, that uh, the first commandment, as it's given to us there, which uh, you and I know from uh, really the close of the commandments, the way that it's put together in Luther's small catechism, is, but there yeah. the Lord says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Jealous. So he's a God who is jealous, that wants to keep his people for himself, because he loves to take care of us. He wants to provide for us, and he knows that every idol is going to fail us. And so uh, that helps funnel into this specific um, question that is brought up. You can even call it a rhetorical question, is that, hey, is that yeah. really what we're going to be doing? Is that really what we want to do? Provoke the Lord to jealousy to say, um, by philandering with demons. Yeah. Well, and, and isn't isn't that? I mean, really, even like the the I mean, the overtones of sexuality are are so present here. I, I mean, of course, Paul's going to develop that with the Lord's Supper. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and it's Corinth, right? Yeah, we talked about that too. It's just kind of like in in there, in, in the whole, and it's in the water, right? But yep, yep. but also he's he's gone and he's made the illusion that he did um, that they they rose up to play. That that being an mm-hmm. allusion to the sexual immorality that happened at a, you know, pagan you know Baal festival, fertility festival. So I, I mean, he he really is. I think just just saying like, hey, this is what you're doing against against Christ. I, I mean, I mean, this is this is like it's what you're doing right now. It's it's pretty much the golden calf all over again. That mm-hmm. the, like that is what you are doing and. I mean, I mean, this this is this is such a strong condemnation, you know. And it's like they they yes, were they were all confident. They were like, "Oh no!" But Apollo said that that you know there are no other gods, and they don't even really exist. So so what's it matter? And they and they thought they were being spiritual and Christian and all the rest. And he's saying you're being idolaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is again a good reality check for all of us because it is yeah. so easy for us to sit back and go, "My goodness, what were they thinking at Sinai?" with a golden calf, allowing that to happen. And what was Corinth thinking? You know, as you've been marching so well through uh, this letter to the Corinthians and all the problems that they have, what in the world was that church thinking, allowing such horrible things to happen? 
but let us also pray for a bit of introspection and a bit of yeah. uh, perspective to see, hey, what about me and my congregation? What about the church today? Where are, where are we sitting in a blind spot where the Lord needs to open our eyes to say, hey, that is needing to change? Well, and, and I think that, and this is, uh, well, actually, yeah, this past Sunday we had um, Romans 11, and uh, it's unfortunate that, I mean, I'm sure there's a reason that I don't understand, but from my yeah. limited perspective, it's unfortunate that that reading skips over this big chunk of Romans 11, where he actually says, you know, so you're going to say like, oh, so they fell so that I could be grafted in. No, don't respond in arrogance. Respond in fear and humility. Yeah. If it happened yeah. to them, it could happen to you. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I think that that is always the way that Paul goes on this stuff. So, so when he goes and he brings up the golden cap, I mean, it's saying, you know, hey, guys, look at what could happen to you. And so for us, too, when we read yeah. this, what was going on in Corinth, that should be our reaction. Just like you mm -hmm. were saying, oh, man, we have, like, I, I like the way you put it, you know, blind spots, right? And so mm -hmm. one of the questions that came in over email was, okay, is this, is this maybe our blind spot? Uh, are we uh, you know, tempting Christ or, or making ourselves out to be stronger than he? Um, when we suffer the 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 wrongs that are being perpetrated in the public square uh when we when we ex exhibit indifference when we uh, are we are we passively participating in them as he's talking about participating mm -hmm. with demons when we just don't challenge any of this stuff that's going on and we let it mm -hmm. happen i mean it's, it's a it's a very it, it is an interesting question and I, I want you to take the the first stab at it here I've been talking a lot. Yeah. Well, run, run that question by me just one more time. So are we tempting Christ with our indifference to the wrongs perpetrated in the public square? And you actually mentioned here, like yeah. with the post office and the COVID-19 uh, yeah. missteps and miscues. Um, is, it, is it idolatry for passively participating in these injustices yeah. That, yeah. that harm the weaker brother, uh, not speaking out against these things? So, yeah, I mean— it's a big question, yeah. but what do, you, what do you think? That is a big question. And so in general, you know, my approach is I am not afraid to call things sin um, if there's any question if it could be sin, because we don't have—sometimes uh, we're reticent to call things sin simply because uh, I don't want to put a guilt trip on somebody. But at the same time also, if something is plaguing my conscience, I, I'm fine with calling it sin— because I've got a ready answer to sin, and that's the forgiveness that we have in Christ our Savior. And so, and also, rightly, we teach that when we, uh, that when God calls us to love our neighbor, it's not just by don't do bad things to him, but also do good for him. And partly of what we do good for our neighbor is by um, when we see injustice taking place, that we don't sit back and just kind of hold our distance, but rather we act to, to stop the injustice so that what is right might take place. Now, sometimes the challenge can be this, is that um, finding a clear word of God for me to say, well, that is an unjust thing, all right, and therefore yeah. that should not be done. There are some examples where we can find that. Then there's others where Christians um, who are faithful will have a differing opinion about whether it is uh, contrary to God's word or not to do a certain matter. And so that's where, unless I have a clear word of God, I can't say, well, that's a sin. Um, 
But when my conscience is plaguing me that, hey, we're not doing anything to help out in this unjust situation, well, then my conscience is given to me by God for a reason. And so I should act if my conscience is troubled by that. Well, and and I think that you've just just really, I think, brought out the real tension here, right? That at at times like these, it feels like there's a lack of clarity. Like, okay, hang on, where is it in the Scripture that says specifically this or specifically that, right? I mean, the Corinthians probably were saying the same thing. That they said, like, well, there isn't a scripture that really talks about, like, you know, whether you can eat meat that's been sacrificed to another god or, or like, you know, has, you know, comes from his temple, right? But you're not in the temple. I mean, like, there wasn't that kind of situation. And so the Corinthians are probably feeling like they're in the same boat that we think that we're in, where they're like, hang on, what are we going to do? And, you know, we talk about conscience. Well, there's different people's consciences, and some people's consciences are saying this, and others are saying that. So what do you do? And... And it's just amazing to me what, what Paul does. He, he cites it in verse 26. He cites Psalm 50. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And that, that is not <laughs> um, as, as happy, I guess, as maybe we, we think it sounds. We, we saw in Psalm 50 that the preceding part of that verse is, hey, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> Don't think you're doing me any favors. And, and, and I think that's, I think, the attitude adjustment for all this stuff do we wear masks do we sing on sunday all this stuff (laughs) guys we can't forget we are not doing god any favors one way or the other he doesn't need us to do one thing or the other thing the question should entirely be how do we love others our neighbors yeah yes yeah and uh and now you've really let the rubber hit the road with something eminently practical that we're all grappling with right now how do yeah, I love my no. neighbor in the midst of this pandemic? And, and it really needs to in, entirely be that God. God is more than fine. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You don't need we, to worry we, about we, protecting him. No, he'll 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 make out the through the pandemic just fine. Um, avoid avoid idolatry, right? Like don't don't go and do something that's overtly, uh, you know, negating or or, or denying the, the the power of God and His Majesty, but. The question really is entirely the neighbor, even the neighbor that is wrong or sensitive or doesn't have the facts yes. straight. Because you know what? Love doesn't always have to be right. So thank you, brother. Great conversation. My There's pleasure. There's so many things, but uh, I, we got always really, more to be doubling into. Practical. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So uh, God's peace be with you guys. Everybody, that's Pastor Kevin Golden at Village Lutheran Church in Ladue, Missouri, going on to Chapter 11. Until then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. ...of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.